How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live once again another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Uh, today is Tuesday, February 5th, 2018, or 2019. Uh, it's a couple days after the Super Bowl now. I got Brett Baker back with me in the studio. Brett, say what's up to the people. What's up, fellas? Um, honestly, it seems like I'm more of a... Uh, I'm moving into like a full-time position rather than part-time, so I'm going to be here for a little bit, and uh, we got a good show for you guys. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of stuff for y'all. Obviously, we got to start out here with the Super Bowl, though. Big game just happened. I mean, shoot. There's so many different takeaways from this game. But first thing I want to say, this is probably the most boring Super Bowl I watched since that Seahawks um, Seahawks versus Broncos game. Yeah. Where they just Manning fumbled like the first play of the game. The game was over from there. That's a lot what this game felt like. And I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there watching. And I was like, dude, this is so boring. Like, please, somebody do something. I mean, they hit the lowest ratings in the last, I think it was <coughs> 12 years. Mm-hmm. And then... Also, on top of that, I think the best way to, to sum it up, I mean, it was a chess match, and it was just like moving pieces all throughout the game. Sean McVay said it best, quote, I got out coached. That was the best possible, you know, that's the best possible quote to describe the game. It was a chess match between two coaches, and it really wasn't fun to watch at all, but you got to respect at least the coaching. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely respect the way they coached the game. I mean, we had two of the best, the best offense and the best defensive coach. I mean, it's pretty obvious that what Belichick was doing is he was coming out there in one defense, then he was waiting on McVay, or he was waiting on the play clock to get lower, then he would change his defense because mm-hmm. the, the, the shuts off in the helmet with 15 seconds left on the play clock. So you'd wait for it to shut off, then he'd change the defense to trick Jared Goff. I mean, the, basically the Rams moved the ball the best on any drive when they were just chilling oh, in the huddle until about the, 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah, they'd run up there and snap the ball real quick. That was when they looked like their best, but... Belichick clearly had the edge. He'd been there before, and he proved it over McVay. And you could tell. I bet you McVay didn't sleep that much the night after the game. He's probably sick to his stomach. Oh, I'm sure. One of the big things that I noticed with the Patriots' defense that I think really helped them was the fact that they never showed their blitz packages. They kind of mm-hmm. like they were just kind of hovering over the line. Uh, they were kind of bouncing around. You didn't. Jared Goff is inexperienced in terms of playing big time games like this, obviously, and I think it really showed as far as being able to. Uh, not being able to rather not being able to read a defense in terms of like where the blitz is coming and also I mean Bill Belichick is a genius and I know we talked about it before the Super Bowl even happened the biggest matchup was in between the trenches and I think that stays true um I think even I mean the Rams had chances I mean Tom Brady fumbled uh early in the game within like the they're on the other side of the field, and yeah. they recovered it. Uh, a couple things happened to where the Rams had chances. On the first drive. Interception on the first cha- drive, no points really on the board for that. And then, I mean, that's inexcusable. So the Rams had their opportunities. It's tough loss to stomach for them, I'm sure. But, I mean, Bilicek just outcoached them straight up. Yeah, no, definitely, for sure. I mean, I thought Wade Phillips, he dialed up good defensive plan as well. I mean, they got pressure on Brady. They knocked him down. They got some sacks. I mean... That's what that's what's so hard about it for the Rams because their defense gave them a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, 13 points in a Super Bowl against Tom Brady, like, you can't really ask your defense for much more. Yeah, and you could tell, I mean, they got tired. Like, on that touchdown drive, they pretty much just ran the ball all over him. Sonny Michelle got most of his yards on that drive running the ball. Thought Littleton, the linebacker, played a good game. They did a good job of taking away James White. He only had one reception. I mean, you know Brady loves that little dump off. I mean, Wade Phillips 
had the he did his part. He dialed up the defensive game plan. The Rams just couldn't get anything going on offense, and it was weird. Like. I know I was completely wrong on my predictions on this game. I, I mean, we were both yeah, we were both expecting shootouts, and there's no reason not to. Yeah, because you had you know Tom Brady, who's super experienced. It seems like every Super Bowl that he's been to, or every big game that he's been to lately, has been high scoring. Yeah, and Sean McVay, freak of nature, offensive guru. Nobody would have guessed thirteen to three. I think I saw a stat that it was uh, plus thirty thousand. On the odds of the Rams not scoring a touchdown before the game, yeah. and that in itself was worth you know throwing a dollar on. I need to start looking into that every Super Bowl from now on. Yeah, no, I mean that was it was that was crazy how the game went in general. I mean the Rams were second in the league in points per game at thirty two point nine per game. New England was fourth at twenty seven point three. So I mean one would think that there would be at least some points scored. I mean the way the new NFLs played with all these penalties that they call and the way the game's officiated, you'd expect mm-hmm. there to be more scoring. You know, like this. This game was just completely opposite of what you I, would expect. I think what really hurt the Rams in terms of scoring, even though, not to say they had many opportunities, but they one, they didn't capitalize on their opportunities that they had, and two, I mean, the penalties really hurt them. Uh, I remember a couple times they had some runs on the outside that kind of broke their offense up, kind of like got them rolling, and then it would just get called back and you'd be in a first and 20, and at that point, a first and 20 with Bill Belichick, it's almost impossible to get past. And um, here's a little stat of the day. The Patriots had three penalties for 20 yards. Yeah. And the Rams had nine penalties for 65 yards. So might not seem like that big of a difference in 45 yards, but that's huge for what we were watching at least. I mean, that's Yeah, in the play, like you yeah. said, the plays they got penalized on were big plays. Like they remember it was one drive, like they hadn't done anything. They get a first down, then they run the ball, like you said, real Early. quick. Yeah, yeah, get busted to the outside. You're like, all right, maybe the Rams are going to get rolling. Nope, comes back for a penalty. I mean, it was just a different game. I mean, I would not have expected that to be a defensive game like that. I mean, the Rams lost a lot of yards too on sacks. They lost 31 yards on that. Brady was only sacked one time, but obviously they pressured him a lot. I mean, I thought that the Rams played pretty well in the trenches. It was just Patriots just the Rams. Were, the Rams were doing like what the Patriots pride themselves on in the past in terms of like bending and not breaking. Yeah. They were doing that really well until, you know, they just got Realistically, tired. in that fourth quarter, Tom Brady made the throw that Jared Goff couldn't. Because Jared Goff had Brandon Cooks wide open in the seam in the middle of the field and, and waited late. too long. Yeah, he was yeah. late on it, and then he threw something that needed more velocity on it. But he McCourty, did find Cooks later yeah, in the game, and he McCourty, dropped it. Yeah, McCourty was able to uh, defend that. Cooks did drop that ball late in the game. But at the same time, Tom Brady hit Gronk in triple coverage and opened up, up for a five-yard, you know, and with Sony Michelle, and I think the the matter of fact, I mean, Tom Brady made the throw that Jared Goff could not make. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree, I agree with you there completely. I mean, Jared Goff in big games, he played well in the New Orleans one. He played bad against Atlanta the year before. He played bad in the Super Bowl. So I mean, Goff's still young though. He'll figure mm-hmm. it out, I think. Um, shoot, there was something else I was going to say. I'll, I'll come back to it whenever I think of another thing I wanted to say on the game. But I will takeaways say. moving forward. I mean, the Patriots, Brady's only going to keep getting older. Do you think the Patriots, I mean, they got a lot of picks in this next draft. Do you think they're going to try to get Tom Brady's success? Um, well, I'm on this like boat that this is a hot take mm-hmm. for the record. I think that the Patriots are some gonna, somehow going to pull Garoppolo back into the system at one point in the next four years, which seems crazy because the contract that he just got. But at the same time, he also hurt his leg, and you don't know what it's looking like over there in San Francisco. So 
At the same time, I don't think they're really too worried about finding finding a successor like right away. And I think that Tom Brady's probably got bearing injury, of course, has probably two years left. I mean, it's not like he's doing anything crazy. Like it's not like he's out there being Patrick Mahomes in terms of athleticism. He just knows where to put the ball and when he needs to put it there. Yeah, I mean, that's always been how Brady is. I mean, yeah. him and Belichick are the best, the winningest coach quarterback. Look, I hate to say it because I don't think Tom Brady's the best player ever or the best quarterback of all time. Yeah, but, I mean, he yeah. probably is the best quarterback of all time. Look, you can be the most talented, the most skilled. You can have all everything, mm-hmm. be the best at all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to win football games. Tom Brady, he's not the most talented. He's not the fastest. You know what I mean? He's not the biggest. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he just finds a way to win the game. I mean, you put him and, in this situation, I mean, yeah. he's going to find a way to get it done at the end of the day. Like, that game against Kansas City, I mean, he was in a duel with pro- probably the most talented, the best arm, you know, with that guy. And Tom Brady somehow found a way to win that game. So, at the end of the day, I mean, he probably is the best to ever do it. He's not I me mean, the most exciting, the most fun to watch, but he's just going to throw it down. He's just going to take the smart throw, mm-hmm. and he's accurate. That's the big thing. Like and, the he's, way and he's so quick with decision-making, yeah. too. Like it's not about being a gunslinger anymore. It's about being accurate. I mean, Tom Brady's accurate. He finds the open receivers, so he lets the play develop. I mean, he doesn't try to go for all of it. You know what I mean? He'll throw it underneath yeah. if he has to. And another thing with him is you can, you can credit Bill Belichick all you want, and he deserves credit 100%. But at the same time, you can't discredit Tom Brady for playing under Bill Belichick. Yeah. Because, I mean, Tom Brady has it. I mean, he's had numerous game-winning drives. I think it's funny how every time you know you get into a player reaches this level where you kind of talk about him being the greatest of all time, you always are like, oh, well, what if he didn't have Adam Vinatieri? Oh, well, what if he didn't have... What ifs are, you know... All the same, in my opinion, for you know the goat talk. It's just like it's simple. I mean, he's won football games. Well, I mean, think about it. Everybody gets rings. lucky in some way, oh, some yeah. fashion, or whatever. Yeah, tell like, me, Aaron Rodgers hasn't got lucky. Yeah, and even even LeBron got lucky with Draymond Green getting suspended. You LeBron know, got lucky with Ray Allen, and I mean, and vice versa. The Warriors got lucky with Kyrie Irving and uh-huh. and, and, uh, and Kevin Love getting hurt. I mean, like, yeah, or Ray Allen. I mean, so that's just how it is. I mean, it's a team sport. At the end of the day, it's not just about one player, but. At the end of the day, you know, they Patriots, they had the best team. I mean, the Rams, in that game, you just left the Patriots to hang around the entire game. You can't let Tom Brady hang around. It was like on that drive when he drove down the field and he found Gronk with those. It was just like all of a sudden just clicked in Tom Brady's head. He was like, it's time. I got to lead him down the field. I got to go get this. And he hit the throws he needed to on the drive. Obviously, they ran the ball a lot on the drive too. But when it was time to make the throw, Tom Brady made it. And that was the difference between the Patriots losing the game and them winning. So, Another thing, as a football fan, this game was so frustrating to watch because there were so many third and shorts that ended in like a pass deflection or like a sack or yeah. something. And it was literally like the the Patriots specifically, they were moving the ball. Like they weren't necessarily struggling mightily to move the ball. They would just get to like a third and short on like the 50-yard line and just like incomplete pass, yeah. punt play field position yeah and like and i really so frustrated yeah i really hated it too like when mcveigh punted on that fourth and one like oh Sean yeah McVay's no. thing is he's an aggressive coach if you're an aggressive coach you gotta be aggressive you know and what i mean if like, you want to use a blueprint i mean doug peterson, doug peterson exactly he was aggressive yeah. he won him he won, won him a super so bowl. many fourth days. and i mean he was aggressive in that super bowl and that's what won it for them i mean yeah you gotta be a, you gotta stick to what gets you there like sean mcveigh's an aggressive pedal to them you know what i mean he's, yeah i don't i think it's kind of like he coached to not lose the not to win the game, but to not, not lose, to lose the yeah. game. Yeah, and I think Sean McVay was uh, obviously this is his first experience here, so I think Sean McVay was kind of kind of not trying to be too like 
cute with it in a sense. Like he wasn't trying to do too much mm-hmm. because he felt like that was probably what Belichick was expecting. But Belichick wasn't really expecting anything. He that's the that's the most brilliant part of Belichick. He just kind of gave him different looks the entire game, and they couldn't really figure anything out. So I think that was it. Was I mean, like I said at the beginning of this uh, episode, I mean the. The quote from Sean McVay, I got outcoached. That Jared Goff had another quote. We got outplayed. And that is what happened in the Super Bowl. Plain and simple. Another thing to note, I really like Julian Edelman winning MVP. I, I enjoy that. I think uh, he's been he's done enough for the Patriots to win an MVP in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Especially this game because he was the absolute difference maker. And, you know... I kind of like how he's sticking it to Roger Goodell because he got that four-game suspension this year. And then mm-hmm. he's kind of like, oh, well, hey, Roger, check it out. I wish, I, man, I wish Roger Goodell was the one handing the trophy out because that would have been hilarious. Yeah, no, that definitely would have been funny to see. Um, shoot, I mean, takeaways from this game. I mean, the Patriots' defensive coordinator just left for Miami, I believe, Got a, got the job down there. You got um, the quarterbacks coach for the Rams, mm-hmm. Zach Taylor, going Coach to the, the Bengals. Yeah, going to the Bengals as head coaches. Um, I, do you, I mean, do you think that these two staffs that they're it'll take these teams a while to get everything together? I mean, we kind of saw the Eagles; it took them a little while to figure everything out because mm-hmm. their staff just everybody got taken. Well, I think the 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 good news about the Patriots is every year they start off a little bit slow, mm-hmm. and that's kind of their like it's a motif for the Patriots, and I think. One thing that is worth noting is that Pat Patricia left and they won the Super Bowl the year after. I think it's more so, I think it's, don't get me wrong, I think defensive coordinators have a lot to do with the success of the Patriots, but at the same time, I think it's more so how Bill Belichick works with that defensive coordinator and how he kind of utilizes their strengths. So I think Bill Belichick is really the mastermind. Because the defense was better without Patricia with Flores calling the plays. Yeah, and I think it's, really utilizing what you have and what you have available to you and I think it's playing to your strengths and I think Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for that matter do that better than anybody any combo in football and I think you know utilizing those strengths that you might have is the best way to get over losing a defensive coordinator and I don't think it's a big issue for the Patriots. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you there. I don't think it'll be a big issue for the Patriots. Same thing with the Rams, because, I mean, McVay's the offensive coordinator at the end of the day. Their quarterback's coach, Matt LaFleur, dipped out after Mm -hmm. one year with them. They were equally as good this year, so they looked fine there. They still have Wade Phillips as their defensive coordinator. I don't think the Rams will really miss a beat either, and these guys aren't losing too much from their staffs. But I think both these teams will be back next year. It'll be interesting when New England gives me, at the same time, they're going to get younger, and we see how the Patriots get better as the season goes on. But, yeah, at the same time, they're getting older at some positions. So, I mean, it'll be the Patriots will be the Patriots. I think they'll still win the division. I think Josh Allen still needs a year or two. I'm really high on Josh Allen. I am high on Josh Allen. And do you see Josh Allen smacking that golf ball the other day? Yeah. Oh, good God. Yeah, hey, I said Josh Allen would be better than than Darnold, Rosen, and Baker. I still stand by that statement. I think so. him and Baker are my two picks for being like. Yeah, you know, I picked them. I said they were one and two. Then I said I Darnold at three, and then Rosen at. Four. I think Darnold is just kind of. Uh, I don't want to say. It, right, I took. Just, I said Lamar Jackson actually would would be at four, possibly even three. So I would just say Darnold is kind of like. Uh, I don't want to say that he's kind of like Andy Dalton because you know the redhead thing, but I mean, yeah. it's just like kind of is similar. Mm. They have similar qualities, oh. but. 
Anywho, moving on, I think that we should definitely talk about the uh, odds for next year's Super Bowl and how. Yeah, what are the, the odds? Are I don't know why they keep doing this, but they're just motivating the Patriots further and further. I think it was Rams, Chiefs. Um, there was a team in Saints, and then the Patriots. So the Patriots were the fourth the highest odds. Saints are that high up there? Yes. See, I feel like that. Um, I feel like the Saint, the Saints they are going to have a bad season Fall this off. year. Well, the NFC I mean, East is always like if that. you think about the way that they lost the last or, two years on so. that on that uh, final play against Minnesota, then the way that they lost this year on that Roby Coleman and then that yeah. Drew Brees interception that lost them the game. I mean, I really just feel like that. Overall, out of these games, that the Saints, you know, I just feel like it's their time to kind of crumble. They've just been on top too long, and they've just had too many bad losses, and it's going to backfire. Plus, they don't have first round pick this year. They gave up a lot of picks to trade up and get Marcus Davenport. And I mean, good Marcus point. Davenport didn't do anything for them. Barely even heard his name called. That's a very good point. And I think with the Saints, another thing is the uh, the NFC South is probably one of the best divisions in football. I yeah, and it only and, got better with Bruce. It's only getting better. Yeah, it's only getting better. Uh, I think the Falcons, they really benefited from the Falcons off year this year, I would say, mm-hmm. to get that two seed. And, I mean, the Falcons didn't even play that bad this year. They had a lot of, like, last-second losses and stuff like that. And I think uh, that and I, I don't know what's happening in Carolina right now, but I don't think they're going to have any noise. But I think the I think the Saints will make the playoffs next year. I do, but I don't know. To what success they might have, it's kind of See, hard to come back. I don't from think all that. they will. I think the Falcons will. I think the division is going to go Falcons, Bucks, Saints, Panthers will be in Bucks. the floor just because Cam Newton's probably going to sit out he'll next sit year with the kind of that Andrew Luck thing. Yeah, which I think is smart to do right now, or he'll sit out for a good bit of the season. Definitely so. need to preserve him. Yeah. So. Man has man has looked so hurt for so long. Yeah, so I mean, well, I think we can leave a Super Bowl there. I feel like we pretty much covered everything. Just had a good talk about that. So let's move here now. So the NBA trade deadline is coming up February seventh at three o'clock this Thursday. So we're right there. I mean, first trade we got to talk about here. We'll talk about what the other teams are going to do. Who's going to kind of buy? Who's going to sell at the trade deadline? First, though, I mean, we got to talk about the Anthony Davis trade. So I think the official offer on the table now is two first round picks. Kuzma, um, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Rondo, um, what was it, Beasley, and there might have even been another player in there. So, I mean, the Pelicans keep saying they want more. I think at this point the Pelicans aren't going to be willing to give up Anthony Davis at the deadline, which I think is smart. But I think that they're just more so trying to get the Lakers because realistically, this is what I was thinking about last night. The Lakers need Anthony Davis, and LeBron needs Anthony Davis more than he needs them. The Pelicans can completely control LeBron and the Lakers' entire destiny here. The Lakers, they're basically what they're trying to do is get the Lakers to give up like four first-round picks and all three of those guys in order to get him. Because at the end of the day, LeBron can't get another. He's not going to get another superstar free agent to come in without a trade for another for another star. You know, what I mean, there's not two stars just aren't going to go to LA to go play with LeBron. I mean, they're going to go to New York where they can make their own team, and they've got picks and young talent and stuff. I mean, not a lot of young talent, but they've got stuff in New York where they're going to go. You know what I mean? Like, they're not just going to go to the Lakers just because LeBron's there. Anthony Davis has to go there. And so the Lakers are going to get desperate here and try to make a trade. I mean, that trade's still going to be on the table in the offseason. So, I mean, I don't think Anthony Davis well, gets moved. I don't, I've been saying it since the rumors started and he requested that trade that I don't think it will happen before the deadline. But I think the key thing here with the Pelicans is because they have him under contract for so long, it's not like they're ha- they are working with an expiring contract. 
they have to do their due diligence. They have to ask for four picks. I mean, you might as well start high and work your way down, and I, I respect them for that. But at the same time, it's it's kind of like I hope they don't – I hope this is just the initial like parts of trade talk for them because mm-hmm. they just want to see how much they can get. But I hope they are not too stiff on this because I really don't think many people will – or I don't think any teamers are going to pull that trigger. I mean, four first-round picks is a lot, and if you – Combine that with, you know, half of your first-round picks from previous years. The the asking price is absolutely ridiculous. And I don't I don't think that anybody's going to pull the trigger, especially before the trade deadline. I think they will have to wait till the summer to kind of feel it out or kind of reevaluate the situation. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of res- – I see where the Pelicans are coming from and I see what they're doing. But I don't think that – I think the trade's going to be a lot less – you know, it's gonna have a. It's gonna contain a lot less pieces. The the like the trade that will actually happen, and I don't know when it will happen, but I do not think it's gonna be before the deadline. Other trades out there, though, as far as like, I don't think there's that many big time trades that are could happen. Do you? Um. Without, with, I mean, after the Kristaps thing, I mean, I don't think there's that many things that are available that are going to be moved before the deadline. I saw that Rodney Hood got. Traded to the Trailblazers. Yeah, I like that. Trade. I like that pick for them. I like a, I like the pickup for them. Uh, I think the Trailblazers do need some scoring off the bench a little mm-hmm. bit at times. Uh, they're really good defensively off the bench, but yeah, I know the Knicks are going to look to trade to deal West Matthews. I think his deal's too big. See, my thing is with the trade deadline. Before I get into some other players, I think will definitely be moved here. I don't. It just it's just not as big with these trades of these smaller level players. You know what I mean? Just because mm-hmm. guys like. I know teams aren't don't really want to give up first round picks. We've seen how much value and how good this young talent is. It's coming to the league, so teams want to try to hang on to their picks as much as possible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yet, all these teams that are tanking that want to make moves, they want to get these first round picks and they want to get young assets. But teams are less likely to give them up. So I mean, a lot of these players are bigger on buyout markets and stuff. So like yeah, Wes Matthews, I sure. think, is definitely going to get bought out. Um, players that I think will definitely be moved is probably going to be Mark Gasol and Mike Conley. I think that I could definitely see that. I think that those guys are good, and they know that they want to trade him. I mean, last year's trade deadline was kind of weird. It was kind of like we had all these trades we thought would happen, not really any of them happened. And there was those splash trades, like Isaiah Thomas getting moved. Like that was crazy. I was like, whoa, when I saw yeah. Isaiah Thomas got traded. That was weird. So I think that there's definitely going to be some moves to be made. Like I think there will be at least like I think when we sit down so we'll probably next time we'll podcast will be on Thursday after these trades are made mm-hmm. just kind of because I mean at that and like it's all speculation at this point you know what I mean and then we'll finally see some set and stone stuff and a lot of the times you'll see like I mean you'll see something come out of nowhere yeah like, I mean behind a cloud or a three team trade boom a three yeah. team uh, blockbuster that sends you know Mark us all somewhere mm-hmm. to a contender but yes where do you think some landing spots are for Mark us all <laughs> Shoot, it's t- it's tough. So I think pretty much outside of the Warriors and Nuggets, I really think that pretty much every single team in the NBA at this point that's trying to make a playoff push or a seed push is a buyer. A like I think every single team in the East is a buyer. The Bucks, the Raptors. I was gonna say the Bucks. I like the Bucks in terms of gaining some size, gaining some. Uh, and it's somebody that can make a yeah, like, it's like on, a catalyst because yeah, I mean, makers on the block. Well, know? they have they have a lot of big guys, and mm-hmm. the Don Maker has 
asked for a move and yeah, see, also, that's a perfect that's a perfect, that's a perfect trade, trade because for any, yeah. Yeah, for any yeah, team because, because he's young and you can give up another thing another thing with Gasol to help the Bucks out is uh-huh. the facilitating uh, I, I think they've lacked that from a big guy uh, I don't think the, the money would match up that was the only problem well they might be able to fix it to where it would match up but mm-hmm. it just depends on uh, I'm not really I'm not really completely I know they traded the Jabari Parker to clear up some space, but I'm not yeah. really completely sure on what the Bucks situation is as far as money goes. But I do think that would be a good trade partner for the Grizzlies in terms of getting rid of unloading on Marcus Sol. I think that Marcus Sol's more likely to go to a team like the Spurs. I think the Spurs would be willing to give up a good bit of pieces in order to get him and to keep making the playoff push because they're sixth right now. I think the Jazz is a good landing spot for Conley. I mean, also, either of those guys could land with the Clippers. People don't realize the Clippers have a lot of assets. They could be a team to be buyers. I mean, the Clippers really need a center. They have not been getting good production out of Gortat lately. They've been going with Boban a lot more than him mm-hmm. lately, So and Montrez Harrell. So I could see them trying to buy. I mean, the Rockets are going to be looking to make a trade. Darrell Moore is a great GM, he could look to do something. I mean, I think the Blazers would be a great spot. I mean, guys like Kevin Love, who could be on the move. We haven't really seen Kevin Love. I personally think they're just holding him out because they want to make a trade. And that, I think that's the only reason why he's a play. J.R. Smith could get bought out. You know, there's lots mm-hmm. of players that go, lots of places. And there's Canner could get traded. Um, Jabari Parker, like you were saying earlier, to the Lakers is, could yeah. be on the move. And there's so many moves that can be made. I mean, I think the Hawks get rid of Bazemore. Um, they have to get rid of Bazemore. Yeah, and I, the think thing, it's, I think it's pretty crucial for mm-hmm. their development as far as building their team for the future. Yeah, I agree. They need, to, they and, need to unload. And I think the Rockets could be a player here to get Kevin Love because they have that huge contract that Brandon Knight's on, mm-hmm. so they can almost get the money to match between Love and Knight and make a swap with them too. And bringing him in because I mean, basically, all the money on their team is being played to Capella, Harden, Paul, and Knight. All these other players are in here on these G League and rookie yeah, and yeah, tiny yeah, or, deals. Well, I saw, I, I mean, Joel Green as one example. He's getting better minimum to play on a contender, which yeah. I really respect that out of that. But also, in other news, this is just going to be random, but did you see the uh, Sixers did not re sign, did not offer a contract for the remainder of the season for Corey Brewer? Yeah, I Which, did. A little bit disappointed in because he was fun to watch, but I'm just curious why they didn't. I mean, he was playing pretty decent for him. Yeah, I mean, he's more so just like one of those 10-day guys. He's yeah, just up sure. doing whatever. Plus, they're probably also trying to save the roster spot because I have heard Philly does want to be a buyer at the uh-huh. trade deadline or, they, or they're or they going to be a big-time buyer on the buyout so, market. So, I mean, they can always bring him back, you know? You would, Yeah, I would say that, that them not re-signing him for the remainder of the season means that they would be a buyer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't really know who they would target as far as, you know, trying to target specific players. I don't know if they would be in the market for somebody like Ken Bazemore or would they be in a bigger market? Yeah, and another thing too for the Hawks is that I would say for Hawks fans, like, look, I'm as pissed off as y'all are that we keep winning these games. Like last night, I mean, look, we just went four and three on that Super Bowl road trip. We should be on damn 0 and 7 or 1 and 6 on that road trip. But <laughs> I just want to say this for Hawks fans I think that we will start losing a lot more games after the trade deadline. I think that we're really about to start to try to unload anything we have of value. Dwayne Dedman's been playing well. I've heard that he's probably going to be on the trading block. Jeremy Lin's going to be on the trading block. Um, What's his name? Kent Bazemore will be on the trading block. Who knows? Maybe even a team, one of these teams might want Vince Carter to come in and give him some minutes. Like, all these guys are going to be on the block and teams are going to be asking for him. I mean, even Torian Prince could get moved if the price is right. You know, like, there's 
Yeah, I would say John Collins, Trey Young, Herter, or Spellman are the only untouchables. I mean, shoot. Herter could be – I mean, Herter's just been playing too well lately to feel like to get moved. So, I would say pretty much any of these guys could be moved as long as there's any – as long as the Hawks are getting any young value we can add, we want in return. I mean, shoot, I would love to see the Hawks do a three-way deal where you get Thawne Maker. I've tried to do the trades with the salary and stuff, so it's going to be hard for us to acquire a guy like Maker, but it'd be a great pickup for us. But I really think a lot of these teams – I mean, everybody's going to be trying to add some sort of pieces. I mean, Charlotte would be a great spot for Marcus Gasol. Um Indiana would be a good team to acquire Conley, you know, like a lot of these teams, there's so many moves these teams could make. I mean, Gasol and Conley, I think are, I've, I said before the season, these guys would get moved. I think they'd be great spots to move these guys. I mean, there's so many, so many teams looking to buy. So it's going to be weird to see. I mean, who knows? Maybe even the Lakers might try to buy in Gasol here at the trade deadline for cheap and then worry about everything else moving I think forward. A, I think another big time, uh, somebody that's going to have a lot of interest from a lot of teams, especially contenders is, DeAndre Jordan because he's mm-hmm. a potential buyout and the Knicks have virtually no use for him. It's pretty much wasting a half a season there. He's just going to help so, him win games, if anything. So I think that he would be a big-time buyout candidate, and I could see maybe you know somebody like the Lakers scooping in the, on that one if they can't get Anthony Davis right away. Uh, I think that would be a good look for them. Uh, just depends on whether or not they can actually do it. But... Who knows? Uh, we're in for a whirlwind of Woj bombs, and I can't wait for it, man. Hopefully, Chris Broussard breaks some stuff. Uh, I love I love this time of the year, especially because the NBA is so like social media oriented. So we get to see every single step and aspect. You get to see every rumor. Mm-hmm. You get to see what all the player camps are talking about. It's an interesting time, and I can't wait to discuss. You know, as the storm settles on Thursday night, hopefully, hopefully it's a pretty vicious storm. Because yeah, I, I, no, I, I think it, I, it's definitely going to be vicious with everything that goes down. I mean, for example, like the Kings, they're going to be pretty active because they think they can make the playoffs. I mean, they still have a. Kings have been playing well. Yeah, they have eleven million dollars in open cap space. Plus, they have. Four players with big time, or I guess five players with big expiring contracts that can be moved. I mean, Philly, who knows? Philly could move on from Markel Fultz, you know? Like, they could they be won't. like, it's time that we cash in and on Markel Fultz and go out and get pieces. I mean, if I'm a tanking team and I'm trying to make a swap a trade here, I mean, Markel Fultz could be huge. I mean, imagine, would you trade Anthony Davis for Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz? Mm. I probably would. I think, the, I think the 76ers really do like Ben Simmons, though, so I think he's going to stay put. I think... I don't think the 76ers are really in the market for Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. but I hope it. At the end of the day, my personal pick for Anthony Davis is the Bucks. I don't know. I don't think they have the trade pieces, but I would love to see that front court between Giannis and Anthony Davis would just yeah. be a bunch of arms and legs. Just literally would be a like a. I can't even imagine it. I can't picture it. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a really interesting front court. But as far as the Kings go, um, they have a really developed backcourt. I think their backcourt is set in stone for a little while. I think, mm. if anything, they could use some frontcourt help. But with the emergence of Marvin Bagley, him and Fox are going to be—they're going to be the real deal. Like that's. And Buddy be Hield has been playing really well. Oh yeah, too. Buddy Hield's like the perfect number three player uh-huh. for that trio. I mean, they're going to be nasty. Um, I also think the Magic are probably going to go into a long-term build at this point, just because they're can, yeah. they're kind of hanging around. Ooh, that could be a good yeah, pick Nick, up for them. Nick Aaron, Vucevic. I was going to say and Aaron, Aaron Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, yeah, and Aaron Gordon. Like they could move either of those two. I think the Blazers will be big-time buyers here. Blazers and, for sure. The Anthony Blazers Sim- have like 
the Blazers have been a piece or two away mm-hmm. from competing, like seriously competing. And I think that they really might pull the trigger. They'd already pulled the trigger once on the Ronnie Hood thing. They got, uh, I think they cleared some space up, cap space for the, with that using that trade, and they also got a nice bench score. So I think that we might see them make a big play. Uh, yeah, I don't they're definitely know exactly. gonna try to. They're gonna try to use Anthony Simmons and first round uh-huh. picks as yeah. their main trade bait. I think Anthony Simmons is a good piece to try to move. I mean, I could see them being big-time, big-time buyers at the trade deadline. I mean, I think Vucevic, um, probably the, the two uh, the two from um, Memphis are probably the best pieces available. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. DeAndre Jordan will be available. I mean, I think somebody will make a play on him. I don't, I don't know if Kevin Love will get moved. I feel like Kevin Love should get moved, but at the same time, like, what have we heard? You know what I mean? Like, we haven't seen Kevin Love all season long. We haven't really heard anything about him getting moved, so... That one's interesting to me too. I mean, there's just so many things that can happen. I mean, who knows the the um It is weird that we haven't heard much from Kevin Love. Like we haven't even heard we haven't seen him play. We haven't heard much in terms of trade rumors. It's just like uh it's, it's smoke and mirrors right there. It's hard to really tell what's going on. And I think he's I mean, he's got a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think a lot of teams would be interested in him, so it just depends on uh I don't think I don't really know who he would fit that well with. I mean, there's a lot of teams that could use him, but uh, another thing is with there being so much on the market, I don't know who would pull the trigger on a guy that's been out all season. Yeah, no, I mean, I've pretty much at this point, it's all about who it's about who's trying to make the playoff push, who's not, who has the young assets and willing to give them up, who's not, who's got the veterans that are getting moved. I mean, who knows? We could see even maybe even see the Wizards if the right price comes calling to the Wizards, we could see them move Brad Beal and blow the team up, you know? Like this would be weird because I mean the Wizards are kind of in a weird situation. They're paying way too much money to Otto Porter Jr. and way too much money to John Wall. Like John Wall is gonna be making over forty million dollars here in a couple seasons. So I mean the Wizards are in a bad place in the cap. Their money's tied up in bad spots. So I saw somebody that was interested in Otto Porter in the uh, trade rumor over the weekend. I think I want to say it was either the it was in Bucks or Raptors. Not exactly sure, but either or, would you? This might be a good way to segue to our last little segment for the day. Is are the are the Bucks the best team in the? Eastern Conference, I would say yes. Um, but Do you think they can win it though? In that's the what I was gonna say. If we're talking straight up, best team in the Eastern Conference, because let's face it, Rockets were the best team in the Western Conference last year. Mm-hmm. Didn't fare well in the playoffs. Didn't make the NBA Finals. I, I think that say they didn't fare well in the playoffs. Well, they did fare well. The Chris well Paul I want to say yeah, yeah, the Chris Paul injury really screwed them. Uh, the fact that they missed twenty five. Threes in Game Seven also screwed them. Tough, I know, but I don't know. I think that they do have a really good chance. I I think that obviously the two teams that would compete with them in terms of making the finals out of the Eastern Conference is the Boston Celtics and the Raptors. But really, I'm not a Raptors believer. They played bad in their last couple. They, they have played, played really bad in their, bad in their last couple big bad, games. Like but, the Bucks blew them out, but. The only reason I say that is because I think that the Raptors do kind of have the pieces to make at least a push towards the Eastern Conference Finals. And once you get there, it's kind of hard to say what anything is going to Well, look, this is my thing against the Raptors. 
Kyle Lowry, notorious for disappearing in the play- disappearing yeah. in the playoffs. This whole team disappears yeah. in the playoffs completely. Like, I mean, Valanciunas was missing point blank yeah, layups against sure. the Cavs. Like, they all disappeared during the playoffs. They were Kawhi Leonard, like, yeah, he's way better than DeRozan. He's not an empty stats guy. He plays both ways, but at the same time, like, how's Kawhi really going to help them that much? I mean, Kawhi's good. he's he doesn't get assists. Like, Kawhi's yeah. average. Like, he's not a good good passing guy. So I don't really see how he's going to get other people involved and help them. It's just going to be Kawhi's going to have some nights where he just goes off, and then other nights. I mean, if anything, I would cue on Kawhi, try to stop him. Or to, I like know. I like the defensive aspect of the Raptors. Yeah, I like uh, Siakam and Kawhi's length on defense. Yeah. But and I also like. I mean, you have Serge Ibaka out there who plays pretty good defense. I think I think that's their. That's what they got to ride with in the playoffs. And another thing with the Raptors is in the playoffs, they get full rest. They get, like, full rest. So every team is coming into it fully rested. And I think that as far as just straight-up talent, it's in this order. I think it's the Bucks, Celtics, them, and the Eastern Conference. I don't think anybody's more talented than the Raptors. So I—, I I think it's going to come down to the Bucks and Celtics, and they went to seven last year, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah. They went to seven with Terry Rozier and uh, Eric Bledsoe getting into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that will be a really good matchup. I think that probably will decide on who wins the Eastern Conference. Um, man, it's all about experience. Uh, Kyrie Irving could come in and really be a difference maker for the Celtics in terms of just having straight-up playoff experience, but at the same time, I think the Bucks win it. I think the Bucks get to the finals Especially this year, it's kind of like a building year for the Eastern Conference as a whole. Uh, I think they're on their way to being a much better conference, but right now, I think the I think the Bucks have got it. Yeah, I think the Bucks are the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think the Giannis probably the best player in the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. as well. So I think that helps them a lot. I think that coach adding Coach Bud to this team completely changed around yeah. the entire team just because of how great of a coach he is and what he does with the team. I personally think the two best teams in the East right now are Philadelphia and Milwaukee. I'd put Boston at three, but I think the biggest thing between Boston and Philadelphia is what team can avoid the Bucks in the first, in the second yeah. round because both those teams don't want to play them, and then if they, both those teams can avoid them, it's going to come down to who has home court between those two teams because Boston and Philadelphia, Boston's 22-6 and six at home, 21-5 and five for Philadelphia. I mean, shoot, even the Raptors are 22-5, and five, the Bucks are 22-4, and four, mm-hmm. so nobody's going into Milwaukee and winning a series. That's my thing. Milwaukee's the best home record, and them and the Nuggets are the best home records in the entire NBA, but these teams away, I mean, the Bucks still play good basketball away. Philadelphia is 13 and 14 on the road. The Celtics are 12 and 13. So, I mean, these two teams suck on the road. We saw how unbeatable the Celtics mm-hmm. were at home last year in the playoffs. So, that's my biggest thing right there. And I, I, w- I will say, I think the 76ers have a shot, especially if they pull a piece in from the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely will have a shot to uh, make some noise in the playoffs. I just don't. I'm not going to trust the 76ers until I see something out of them, like, especially. Ben Simmons in particular. I I trust him, though. I just feel like the Celtics are dysfunctional. Like, there's too much dysfunction There's a lot of dysfunction right now. And that's that's not good. So, I mean, the Celtics could make a splash here at the deadline. They have all the pieces and everything. But if anything, I think the Celtics stay put with what they have just because they don't know what Kyrie's going to do. But even with with the Celtics' dysfunction, they played the Warriors really tight. Mm. They played them well. It's them at the home. Yeah, at home. And then they beat OKC. At home as well. And I know those are home games, of course, but you can't discredit that they're playing pretty well, even with the dysfunction. So I think that they're still, you know, mm-hmm. this they're still a dangerous team. And 
it just depends on what type of chemistry they have going into the playoffs. I know it kind of seems like a downhill spiral with them. But. Yeah. There's still plenty of time. I mean, like we said, it's time to define your identity and figure out what kind of team you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's time if you're Boston. I mean, basically everyone's going to get their pieces in. I'm really interested to see what the Blazers do. I think that overall at the trade deadline, I'm most interested to see what the Blazers do, and then I'm most interested to see what the Eastern Conference powers do. I think that's where everything can be traded, changed up the most. Don't think Anthony Davis is going to get moved. If Anthony Davis gets moved, obviously it's going to shake everything up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Brad Beal gets moved. That's going to be, you know, it's it's going to be weird to see what happens here. But I think at the end of the day, the Blazers got to go out and they got to get Kevin Love or Nick Vucevic. And I mean, it, it's it's going to be weird to see what happens. I mean, that, that Western Conference from about six to one is just. I mean, deep. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of talent right there. Shoot, I think the Western Conference is about, I think they're deep down to, I think they're about 10 teams deep in that conference. Well, yeah, but I'm saying, as far as that one through six seeds, those teams could honestly make some noise, especially, I know the Spurs are the one that's kind of on the uh, on the fences, along with the Trailblazers, but I think if they make a, they pull in a valuable asset between now and Thursday, yeah, then they can make some noise. I think the Spurs, and I think they will. I think the Spurs especially will. Yeah, here before before we end this, I'm gonna give you just quick predictions. I think the Blazers get Vucevic. I think the Spurs end up getting um, Gasol. I think Conley ends up going to the Jazz. Um, mm. Other little little moves I think will happen. Um, shoot, I think that Kent Bazemore ends up getting traded the Rockets yeah, for Brandon Knight say, straight up in a first-round pick. I mean, that first-round pick's not really going to be worth much, but, I mean, hey, it's another first-round pick, you know, to add in there. Um, other than that, I don't think Kevin Love gets moved. Don't think Anthony Davis gets moved. So mm-hmm. that's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens there. But, I mean, that's pretty much all I got. Anything else you want to say before we dip out? I think I'm good, honestly. I think we uh, covered it all. Uh, to be honest, I'm really excited about – you know, airing again on Thursday once this kind of has settled down a little bit. Yeah. There's, there's so much you can say. There's so much you can talk about with the trade deadlines and the trade rumors. But at the end of the day, we're not GMs. We don't really know what's going on. So we are just purely speculation. And I can't wait for this week. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we are we have a week filled with Woj bombs. A lot of Woj bombs. Um, so we'll see. Absolutely. Um See it. I appreciate y'all tuning in once again to the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Hot Takes with TP3 on Instagram TP3 underscore NBA bets under or TP3 underscore NBA underscore bets. Um, what was it? Um, on Twitter, I'll probably have for y'all some NBA trades I cook up in the lab. I'll probably be looking at that stuff later on today, a little bit tomorrow too. You know, I'll be I'm be on Twitter a lot here in the next couple of days looking for these trades. I mean, the deadline's coming up here, so it's Thursday. We can do a bet with Brett Sash too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll have so, so much good stuff. It's gonna be an interesting day, but appreciate y'all tuning in, Brett. Appreciate you coming on again, man. Of course. But that's all we got for y'all. See y'all next time. Peace.